Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. episode I've decided to cover something a little different and that's the mythology and folklore associated with the fox. I had actually decided on another creature from folklore but while I was researching the fox kept appearing and I soon found myself totally distracted and wanting to discover more about it. In a rural or even urban area these days the reputation of the fox perhaps isn't the best. Putting this to one side I wanted to look more closely at this creature in folklore and the connection between the human and animal. In many cultures, the fox appears as a symbol of cunning behaviour, greed or trickery, as a creature capable of changing its shape into that of a woman or a man, and closely associated with magic. The fox is often regarded with sharp wit and keen intelligence. For example, in Scottish, Finnish and African mythology, the fox is often described as a trickster. And in Peru too, where, interestingly, the fox is also depicted as a warrior that uses its mind to fight. The idea of transformation is the one that led me along the path to foxes. Changelings, shape-shifting, the shedding of an animal skin to appear as a human, it appears again and again. As I began to read further, I discovered that mythologies and folklore from a variety of different cultures regarded the fox in much the same way, which is just fascinating. And so I'll share with you some of the tales that I've found. In Japan, the word for the fox is kitsune. The fox appears frequently in Japanese folklore, and while there are certainly tales that demonstrate the tricky nature of the animal, citing that to become possessed by the spirit of one would bring on hysteria, insanity and depression, there are also many involving shape-shifting, foxes as messengers of the gods, and as faithful, loving and loyal. In one tale I found, a husband discovers his wife as a fox in human form quite by accident. Her nature was kind, she was a good wife and a mother. While their child had been gravely ill, the wife devoted her time to caring for the infant and relieving her husband of the burden so that he might run the farm, which had been sorely neglected. She also helps her husband, who is a rice farmer, by using magic to improve the yield of the crops. This tale not only tells us about the nature of the animal, its ability to shapeshift, but also a connection with Inari, the god of rice and guardian of the rice crop. Indeed, Inari has appeared in many illustrations in the shape of a fox. In folklore from medieval Japan, the fox maiden is a changeling who assumes the human form of a young, beautiful woman. In most cases, she is benevolent, well-meaning and kindly, who often becomes the wife or companion of a man and who mysteriously disappears after staying for a period of time. In some tales, the maiden has children and these she leaves behind when, for one reason or another, her time with the family has come to an end. An example of this can be found in the story of Prince Yoshima and the Snow White Fox, And this tale I'll share with you at the end of the episode, as it's one that reveals the very descriptions of the fox temperament. Two legends that drew my attention are the legend of Tadanobu and the legend of the fox in the tree. Tadanobu is reputed to have been a retainer of Minamoto no Yoshitsune, who was a military commander of the Minamoto clan in Japan, and considered a great warrior of the time. He led many battles in the Genpai War from 1180 to 1185. Tadanobu is said to have saved Yoshitsune's life, and though that is quite another story, it's one that I definitely recommend reading. This legend, however, tells that Yoshitsune left his mistress in the care of Tadanobu. 
Before he left, he gave his mistress a drum that was made from fox skin. The tale goes on to explain that a fox, who was the child of a vixen slain for her skin and used to make the drum, assumes the form of Tadanobu in order to take back the skin of his mother. In other stories, Tadanobu is described as a Jenkuro, fox spirit or shapeshifting kitsune. In the legend of the fox in the tree, a man and his servant are out searching for a lost horse. They stumble upon a great cedar that they have never seen before, but recognising the land surrounding them, they realise that the tree was not meant to be there. Assuming it to be some kind of evil work at play, they shot arrows at it before retreating. The next day they discovered the tree had vanished, and in its place was the dead body of an old grey fox, and between its teeth were twigs of cedar. It's unclear if the fox had been thwarting the efforts of the men, or had simply assumed a shape disguising itself for safety. The Buddha saint Kobodashi, 775-835, was a scholar, poet, calligrapher and monk, who was said to have driven all the foxes from the island of Shikoku, forcing the creatures into the sea after a fox tried to deceive him. Kobodashi is said to have faced many creatures, from mosquitoes and foxes to dragons and sea monsters, and during his training for the priesthood endured many otherworldly visions of evil spirits. In Chinese mythology, the fox plays a large role too, often appearing as a portent or omen of woe. Its lifespan varies from hundreds to thousands of years, and it can create fire by striking the ground with its tail. It is also described as having the ability of foresight, can be cautious and sceptical, but also sly and fond of playing tricks with mankind. Being one of the five spiritual animals whose nocturnal nature increases their yin energy in the yin-yang division, this also increases their supernatural abilities. There is a wonderful description um, in a compilation of Chinese mythological texts where a nine-tailed fox dwells within a mountain made of jade and gold and devours humans. In the tale of the magnanimous girl, a young man named Ku, who is quite poor, falls in love with a woman who lives close by. She also comes from a poor family and the mother of Ku proposes that the two houses come together in marriage. The young woman refuses but is thankful for the help that Ku and his mother provide when her own elderly mother falls ill. The girl in thanks offers her services to Ku's mother, and although Ku and the young woman become friends, she still refuses marriage to him. In the days that follow, Ku notices the young woman does not appear to like his friend, and the friend has also noticed the young woman. Finally, Ku's friend utters something to the young woman that causes her to draw a blade, as he retreats, she throws the blade and it kills Ku's friend. Astonished by this, Ku then discovers a body of, his, of a fox in place of his fallen friend. Ku asks the young woman how she came to know that his friend was a fox, and the woman replies that it was dark magic. And Ku simply states that he wants no more knowledge of what she knows of the dark arts. But he does ask for her hand one last time, and she again refuses. She thanks him for his friendship and the friendship of his mother, and then she was never seen again. However, in another story, the fox is described in quite a different light, and that one is called The Alchemist. And it tells of a friendship put to the test when one of the men is revealed to be an immortal with the ability to turn rock into silver. The friendship between the two men suffers a blow when the poor mortal asks for the magic black stone in order to make his own fortune. The two men cease to speak for a while until the mortal finds the lost stone of the alchemist, and though he manages to create enough silver to make him a wealthy man many times over, he declares that he will not hoard the wealth but share it amongst the tradespeople and villagers, thus living only within his means. 
The alchemist is pleased that the mortal does not lust for greed or wealth, and a friendship between them begins once more. The immortal reveals that he is merely a fox in heaven who risked losing the favour of the gods when he lost his stone. The mortal who lived past 90 years of age was frequently seen to have a fox visiting his home. In the third and final tale from Chinese mythology, two young men become friends and show loyalty to one another even when times grow impossibly hard. One of the friends is revealed to be a fox in the guise of a man, and in return for the gift of friendship, he helps his comrade by guiding him to success and a long and happy life. The two friends grow old together, the fox regarding his friend's family as his own, and when that man dies, the fox could no longer bring himself to visit the farm any longer. There are many more tales from the east, but we're going to change our direction a little bit, more towards the area of Greenland. In the folklore of the Inuit, which the elders share through the oral tradition of song and storytelling, and one that is so closely entwined with the beautiful landscape, foxes appear frequently in their stories, demonstrating the shape-shifting ability of the fox and when they have come to the aid of those who needed food or shelter. One story I enjoyed comes from the Inuit people of Greenland, and the rather interesting book that contains the tales of the people themselves, and that is the tale of Patasor Suwak, who killed his uncle. The story is a cautionary warning, and like many tales in mythology, they provide messages about life, death, creation, the other world, love, hatred, hunting, survival, and in this case, murder. Patasor Suwak is a married man who falls in love with his uncle Atalak's wife, who was very beautiful. One day in spring, Atalak prepared to depart the area of Kukat, where they lived. This was to go on a hunting trip, and he had decided to take his wife with him. As Atalak and his wife prepared their belongings at the edge of the ice, Patasor Suwak approached them, and when he heard his uncle plan to take his wife with him, Patasor Suwak became distressed and killed Atalak. However, Patasor Suwak's wife witnessed the terrible deed and fled to her father's home. But she left her young son behind, and he was too afraid to tell Patasor Suwak where his mother had run to. But this didn't appear to matter much to Patasor Suwak, who, after killing his uncle, found that he now wanted to be rid of his wife. And with her gone, he was free to take Atlak's beautiful wife as his own. For a while they lived together, but there was little joy for the man who had won a woman by misdeed. And she eventually died, leaving Patasor Suwak alone and about to suffer a terrible end. One day while he was out hunting, a fox snapped at the fringe of his coat, and he, thinking it was nothing more than a common fox, struck out at it but did not hit it. It was later revealed that this was the soul of the dead Atalak, seeking vengeance for his death and toying with his nephew before finally killing him, for Atalak's amulet was that of a fox. Eventually, it was a bear that killed Patasor Suwak, ripping him to shreds and leaving what remained of his body for his family to find. It was thought that the ghost of Atalak, with the use of magic, had come in the shape of a bear, and though Patasorsuak's daughter was a witness to this, she claimed to have no memory. That is until much later, when the vengeful spirit had lifted its spell of forgetfulness from her. The last line of the story makes the message of this tale quite clear, and it reads, Thus punishment falls upon the man who kills. We're now going to take a look at Scottish Gaelic and Celtic mythology. In Gaelic folklore, if someone had a vision or a premonition and saw a fox, it was instinctively taken as a bad sign, and another reference to the negative reputation and nature of the animal. It was thought unlucky to meet or cross paths with a fox, 
And one interesting note I discovered was the superstition that the bark of a fox preceded a catastrophe. I also found a mention of the Celtic festival of Beltane, which occurred at the beginning of May. This festival marked the beginning of the season when animals were driven out to graze in the summer pastures. Rituals would be performed where the people asked for the spirits of the other world to watch over and protect their animals. In Gaelic folklore, shepherds would observe the tradition of a sacrifice with a mixture made of oats, eggs, butter and milk, and as well as a good measure of whiskey and beer, as everyone had to make an offering of some kind. And this mixture went into a caudal, which was set over a fire. Each individual would then ask for the protection of their flock by saying, This I give to thee, preserve thou my sheep. The last request was to the creature that caused them the most issue, and in this case a fox was given as an example. The shepherd would have said, This I give to thee, O fox, spare thy lambs. Just as an interesting side note, when I was looking at Gaelic folklore, I found something that was called boat language. So basically, when at sea in a boat, fishermen were apparently forbidden to use the land names of things, and so their own boat language developed. For instance, a knife became a gear, also the sharp one. A seal became beast ma'ol, or the bald beast, instead of the Gaelic word run. And a fox became madarua, the red dog, instead of simage. My sincere apologies about the pronunciation of some of the words that I've said today. We'll just pretend it was spot on. In Scottish Celtic mythology, Diagrena, whose name means ray or tears of the sun, has stories involving the fox that vary slightly. In one tale, she was the daughter of the sun and had become trapped in the underworld and only permitted to return to the mortal world as a fox. In another tale, she is saved by a woman disguised as a fox who then sacrifices herself to ensure Diagrena's safe return. In both versions, the fox becomes a symbol of transformation. Many of the fairy tales or folklore often refer to the greedy, sly and cunning nature of the fox, and as an intelligent creature that often tricks its prey into being caught and turned into a meal. I think of all the tales with Scottish roots, I prefer the Celtic myths, where the fox is regarded as a wise creature, a spirit guide, transformation and shape-changing, and whose knowledge of nature was respected. Now, there is no denying my love for Norse and Scandinavian mythology and folklore, and an episode just wouldn't be complete without it. The Northern Lights are a spectacular display of light in the night sky that we now know are created by electronically charged particles interacting in our atmosphere. Norse mythology and legend suggests the aurora was the Bifrost, or the Rainbow Bridge, that connected the realms of Midgard and Asgard, and upon which the warriors who had fallen in battle crossed to enter Valhalla. In Finland, the Kalevala, which is the wonderful national epic originating in the Finnish oral folklore tradition, and also covered by the Chaps of the Northern Myths podcast. The Northern Lights are referred to as the Gates of the North, but it's another Finnish myth that we find reference to the fox. The Finnish word for the Northern Lights is Rivintelit, which translates as Firefox. The Tulaketu is the mythical creature also known as the Firefox. It is said to have run so fast across the snow that sparks flew up into the night sky from its flaming tail, thus creating the aurora. I mentioned the Filgia in the first episode of Myth, Legend and Lore, 
but in short, it is a spirit or companion profoundly attached to its owner and, in some cases, family lines. When Philgia is not in the shape of a woman, it often appears as an animal, and traits of the Philgia are often used to describe the character of its owner. For example, a peaceable nature had the Philgia of a goat or a boar, and a fiery temperament had the Philgia of a wolf, deer, eagle, bear or fox. There are clues in the sagas about how the fox might have been thought of by the Norse. For example, in the story of Howard the Halt, which tells of the unrelenting search for vengeance that a mother and father seek for the murder of their son at the hands of the powerful and unjust Thorbjorn, a character called Atli has a dream, or quite possibly a nightmare, about fox. It's important to mention that the Norse took messages from their dreams quite seriously. But the passage reads, Methought I went forth from the storehouse, and I saw how wolves ran over the wall from the south, eighteen in company. And before the wolves went a vixen fox, and so sly a creature as that was. Exceeding ogre-like it was, and evil, it peered all about, and would have its eyes on everything. In Norse mythology, there was a creature called the Brunmigi, and it's described as a large fox-like troll that defiles wells by urinating in them. The creature appears in the saga of Half and his heroes, which dates to around the 14th century. Half was a legendary sea king, and the saga has some wonderful mythical creatures in it, but there's also a hearty helping of adventure, deceit, death, and, of course, vengeance. In skaldic poetry, there are also examples of foxes and kennings. A kenning is a compound expression in Old English and Old Norse poetry with a metaphorical meaning. So for a fox, we have expressions such as destroyer of sheep, lair dweller, and sheep biter. But of all this, the one image I come back to is the Finnish firefox and its blazing tail sending sparks into the sky, becoming the glow of the aurora. As ever, I like to end the episode with a myth, legend, or piece of lore. And the story that I've chosen today, and which I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, is that of Prince Yoshima and the Snow White Fox. In Itsumo, the province of the gods, are many foxes. There are the wicked Ninko, in league with the Oni, prowls about at nightfall and carries away the souls of little children. He robs the poor man of his rice and millet and bewitches the maidens who cross his path. There too is his enemy, the Anari Fox, who is kind of heart. The Anari loves the children and warns the anxious mothers when Ninko is near. He guards the store of the peasant and comes to the aid of maidens in distress. Many centuries ago there lived a young Inari fox. She was snow white and her eyes were keen and intelligent. She was beloved by all the good people for miles around. They were glad if in the evening she knocked softly with her tail against the window of their hut. When she entered she was play with the children, eat of their humble fare and then trot away. The god Inari protected those who were kind to her and the Ninko foxes hated her. There were hunters in the country of Itsumo who thirsted for the blood of the beautiful white fox. Once or twice she nearly lost her life at the hands of these cruel men. One summer afternoon she was frisking about in the woods with some young fox friends when two men caught sight of her. They were fleet of foot and had dogs by their side. Off ran the white fox. The men uttered an excited cry and gave chase. Instead of going towards the open plain, she made for the temple 
Ovinari Dayam Yujan. There surely I will find a safe refuge for my pursuers, she thought. Now Yoshima, a young prince of the noble house of Abi, was in the temple deep in meditation. The white fox, whose strength was almost certainly spent, ran fearlessly up to him and took refuge beneath the thick folds of his robe. Yashima was moved with pity and did all he could in his power to soothe the poor and frightened creature. The prince then went to the door of the great temple. Two men hastened up to him and asked if he had seen the pure white fox. It must have run into the temple of Anari. We would have his blood to cure the sickness of one of our family, said the men. But Yashima, faithful to his promise, answered, I have been in the temple praying to the good God, but I can tell you nothing of the fox. The men were about to leave when they spotted a bushy tail behind Yashima's robes. Fiercely, they demanded that he should stand aside. The prince stood firmly and refused. But, intent on their prey, the men attacked him, and he was obliged to draw his sword in self-defence. At this moment, Yashima's father, a brave old man, came up. He rushed upon the enemies of his son, but a deadly blow, which Yashima could not avert, struck him down. Then the young prince was very wroth, and with two mighty strokes he felled his adversaries to the ground. But the loss of his beloved father filled Yashima with grief. He did not break out into loud lamentation, for the sorrow lay too near his heart. Then a sweet song fell upon his ear. It came from the temple. As he re-entered the sacred building, a beautiful maiden stood before him. She turned and saw that he was in deep trouble. The prince told her of the snow-white fox and the cruel hunters and the death of his father, whom he greatly loved. The maiden spoke tender words of sympathy. Her voice was so soft and sweet that the sound brought comfort to him. When Yashima learned that the maiden was true, that her heart was pure and as beautiful as her face, he loved her and asked her to be his bride. She replied very gently, I already love you. I know that you are good and brave, and I would solace you for the loss of your father. They were wed. Yashima did not forget the death of his father, but he remembered that his beautiful wife had been given to him. For some time they lived happily together. The days passed swiftly. Yachima ruled his people wisely, and his fair princess was ever by his side. Each morning they went to the temple, and thanked the good god Inari for the joy that had come to them. Now a son was born to the prince and princess. They gave him the name of Saimi. Thereafter, the princess became sorely troubled. She sat alone for hours, and tears sprang to her eyes when Yoshima asked her what was the cause of her sorrow. One day she took his hand and said, Our life here has been very beautiful. I have given you a son to be with you always. The god Inari now tells me that I must leave you. He will guard you as you guarded me from the hunters at the door of the great temple. I am none other than the snow-white fox whose life you saved. Once more she looked into his eyes and then, without a word, she was gone. Yashima and Saimei lived long in the province of the gods. They were greatly beloved, but the Snow White Fox was seen no more. Thank you for listening to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast.